All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mining Matters, a mine safety podcast presented by Fisher Phillips. I'm Chris Peterson, and with me, as always, is Arthur Wolfson. How are you doing today, Arthur? Doing well, Chris. Trying to stay warm. It's a snowy, icy day here in Pittsburgh, so uh, but a good day to kick around some important mine safety topics, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I can't believe we're already in February. This year is flying by. Sure um, is. But, you know, it's time for another episode. So let's talk a little bit about mental health in this, in this one um, and mental health in the mining industry specifically. So we've got a very special guest joining us today, Rianne Burgo. Rianne's one of our law partners in the Pittsburgh office where she practices employment law. And her practice covers the conventional issues such as Title VII, ADA, FMLA. She also helps companies with workplace investigations, performance improvement plans, workforce changes. And Rand also has a passion for helping employers understand the importance of mental health issues in the workplace. And so she's helped numerous employers in various industries develop mental health programs and is here to discuss some best practices when addressing mental health issues that employers need to understand. So welcome, Rayanne. Tell us a little bit about your practice and your experience with mental health issues. Yes. Thank you, Chris and Arthur. Um, I appreciate you inviting me on the podcast, and I always love an opportunity to talk about employee mental health and what employers can be doing to support and protect employee mental health. Um, you know, I, I don't think that it comes as any big shock to any employer um, in 2022 that employee mental health is at the forefront of employees' minds. Um, it has always been an issue, but like a lot of other workplace issues, the pandemic just pushed it to front and center. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I've even heard people calling it like the second pandemic. Oh. So kind of parallel running with, with the COVID pandemic. Yeah. So we have seen um, employers, you know, really reaching out about how do they do that? How do they support employee mental health? What, what does a plan look like? Um, what resources, what initiatives can be taken? Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, it's such a timely topic. You know, I, I was in a safety meeting last week and one of the safety managers was talking about that very issue where, you know, I think typically at most mine operations, you can say, um, I'm not going to say it's an ultra hazardous position, but there are definitely hazards in the workplace that you need to be aware of, right? And so if you're not on top of your mental game, you're already at a disadvantage. And so that compounded with the pandemic and absenteeism and folks, you know, being away from work because they're sick or covering because their spouse is sick, who knows what, right? But that just adds and compounds the pressure on, you know, working safely in the mining industry. So what do you think, Arthur, in terms of, um, you know, any specific concerns that you've heard of about mental health in mining? Well, you know, Chris, it really, I think it's important what you said is not only is it an issue for employee well-being, um, you know, that we, you know, our, our clients, you know, care very much about their employees and their own personal well-being, but it's, it's also an issue for the company from a safety standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, you know, safety issues are always at the forefront of what our clients do um, and attention they provide to it. And this really is a safety issue. And, and um, I think Rayanne has some, some statistics about that. 
um, from industry generally, but you know, there's no reason to think that that the mining industry would would be exempt from these statistics. And and frankly, I think may even even um, uh, be more so because you know, in the mining industry, when COVID hit, just about all of the mining companies um, were deemed essential businesses, so they had to keep going through the yeah. pandemic. Yeah. And um, the, and another reason is, is, you know, some of the um, some of the measures we've seen in other industries, such as work from home and flex schedules and that thing, that, I, that's just not going to happen in the mining industry. You know, our, our clients and their employees have to show up every day. So, you know, I really think that even though some of what I know Rayanne's information is, is for general industry at large, I think it would be even um, more to the point in the mining industry. So I'll, I'll let Rayanne take it from here. And Rayanne, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've seen in terms of employee mental health across all workplaces. Sure, sure. I think one of the most um, impactful statistics that, that, that I know of is that one in five Americans, so this is general, this is just across the board, mm -hmm. any workforce, okay. experience mental health issues on any given day. So any given day being today. So as we're sitting here talking, there's three of us here. We could think of two other individuals we work with, right? And you have this group of five people and you're working. And at any given day, at any moment, one of us is struggling with a mental health issue or illness. So to Arthur's point, um, in the partic particularly in the mining industry or any industry where you know physical safety is of utmost importance, um, you have people in the workforce next to you struggling with this. And you know, that like what Chris had said before impacts um, what we call like presentism, being present at work, being able to focus and function on the moment and what you're doing. Um, so that that is really impactful to me. So Rianne, real quick, what is, you know, when we say mental health issue, I mean, what what is that exactly, right? I mean, is that you know, full-blown full blown depression? Is that something else? You know, obviously we're talking about it affecting people's, uh, you know, ability to kind of be on top of their job, right? Perform to their best. But, you know, what is, is there any way to quantify what a mental health issue is? So I use the term mental health issue to cover like the whole continuum. So we know that there are diagnosable mental health disorders, right? So there's diagnosable depression, anxiety, um, bipolar. I mean, those are things that employees, you know, are being diagnosed with. They may come back and they have medical health provider information. Those are, in, those are things where probably a lot of people think about accommodations, right? Mm -hmm. They need accommodations in the workforce. You're talking about a disability, but we're talking about the whole idea of like psychological stressors, life stressors, social stressors that individuals are bringing into the workforce with them, just like Arthur said. I mean, you have a group of people who have been working through the pandemic, but they are still also dealing with uh, kids at home, uh, caregiving for uh, other family members, um, worrying about financial issues. Uh, so they're bringing all of these stressors into work. And so you're really talking about mental health and well-being. Yeah, yeah. Rayanne, I think um, we've talked a little bit before. I mean, th this is actually having an impact on companies' performances, isn't it? Um, you know, different measures for, for, for how companies sort of benchmark how they're doing from a safety standpoint, 
uh, or from an economic standpoint? Is, hasn't there been some information on that? Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, we, and I think Chris hit a little bit on it, but you, you talk about how mental health impacts a workforce and you're talking about safety, which we've, we've been hitting on, but there's also the financial well-being of, of the employer itself. And that uh, when an employee shows up to work um, and they're under uh, a stressor of some sort, you, typically like depression, anxiety is what we've seen a lot about, you know, they're really only at about a 70% productivity rate. So they're only producing and performing at 70% of their full capability. So, you know, you could see how that eventually will translate into some cost to the employer. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes with uh, disability rates are higher for individuals with depression and anxiety. Um, people with depression are two and a half times more likely to suffer a workplace injury on the job. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, depression is a really big category. You know, I mean, right. and, and people, I'll tell you, have um, hesitancy to be diagnosed. So a lot of times you have individuals, in the, I mean, it, I think it's about a, this is crazy, but I think it's about 11 year gap from the time somebody really starts to feel something like depression mm. till they actually get help. Wow. Some of that's around stigma mm. itself. Too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my. Mm. So I think that in your opinion, with these impacts on a company, I mean, what can companies do? Not, not obviously just to protect their business interests, because frankly, that's probably secondary, right? But just the human element. I mean, what can they do to help their employees and make sure, you know, their employees have resources or at least access to the help they may need, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I really want to mention too, even though I know it's, it's not all about financial, but um, before we get into what they can do, the impact of investing in these mental health initiatives has been proven to show a return. So there um, has been a study that shows for every dollar an employer invests in mental health, they have a return of about an average of $1.50 to $2. So you can actually see an economic difference, you know, and, and that, but that goes to everything. So that goes to the culture. That goes to the morale of employees and then being invested and in retaining your employees and, and work gets out. So if you're recruiting um, and words out that you are supporting employee mental health, you have workplace mental health safety initiatives, employees want it. They, they yeah. want it. They said there's a 76% um, statistic that employee employer, or sorry, employees um, think that employers aren't doing enough. Mm -hmm. And that one out of two uh, individuals in the last 18 months have considered leaving their job mm -hmm. for a place that better supports their mental health. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. And it's such yeah. a competitive space out there right now. And the mining industry is certainly feeling that, you know, the workforce shortage. Um, that sounds like a, such a way that an employer could differentiate themselves if they're trying to recruit, which we know is such a challenge right now. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um, so yeah, so so kind of going to Chris, what you were saying about what are some of the things um, that employers should be looking at, you know, um, it's not easy to start from the ground up with uh, an employee mental health initiative. It's, it sounds like it's a it could be a daunting task, but there are some, I think some some things, cultural things that you can start small on that can grow and you can build on that that don't cost anything other than some time, right? So it, it's not like you have to put in these big cost initiatives right. to do it. Okay. 
Um, and one of them is just to the, one of the bigger ones is the, to connect the employer employees with your resources. So a lot of times employers have resources like EAP um, or maybe they do have like during the pandemic, telehealth was really big. So individuals couldn't get out and get to a counselor and they provided that uh, free of charge. But employers are, employees are reporting like they just don't know about it. Mm -hmm. So how do you educate your employees on um, what resources you have? Yeah. So that, that would be one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, generally speaking, you know, we've probably seen a disconnect between so, for example, if you're a large mining company and you have these corporate policies, you know, how are those corporate policies actually implemented on site, right? So I think exactly what you're talking about is, you know, just at least educating your workforce saying, hey, these are the resources we have. Um, I think that's a, yeah, that's an excellent first step. Can you think of any challenges that, you know, companies may have in implementing, uh, you know, mental health or employee assistance programs? I do. And, and, the, and the biggest one is the stigma that surrounds um, mental health. So individuals generally in the workforce, but just generally are concerned about opening up and talking about mental health because it, it makes people think that people perceive them as weak or that they don't have the ability to perform their job. And yeah, sure. uh, we know that men and uh, those over the age of 54 are the big demographic that are, are much less likely to um, mm -hmm. discuss, you know, mental health concerns or stress that they may be having at work. Um, so it's trying to get over that stigma. Um, and there are a couple ways that, that employers can do that. And, and I think it all ties back to what I think we would call frontline supervisors. Mm -hmm. yeah. And are those the individuals, right, that, that probably work most closely with uh, the workers in the mining industries that that's how it would work. Yep. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. They would be the ones, um, probably the direct supervisors, right. Lining out the crews, assigning work, you know, providing the general supervision through the day. So definitely the individuals with the most contact with, mm -hmm. um, well, employees across the board, right. Interfacing between the hourly employees and perhaps even upper management. Yeah. Right. So it would be, really training your supervisors. And I use training loosely, um, but, but one, the training would include kind of giving your supervisors the toolkit to address these issues is one. Um, and that might be starting with educating them about the resources that are available so that when they um, notice that an employee's struggling or they become aware of that, they can say, oh, hey, you know, I can't, I'm not your counselor. I can't solve this issue for you, but I can tell you where to go to get help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and just supervisors being willing to open up a little bit, right? So not sharing personal details about struggles in life, but maybe just saying, yeah, man, you know, I'm, I'm stressed today too. This, this is a tough job and I'm struggling today. So, you know, sharing that just allows an environment to start to be created where employees may feel like, oh, you know what? I can go to that supervisor and say that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important, Rayanne, that, that, and, and, you know, the supervisors, these frontline supervisors, and we're talking about, you know, your, your section foreman in an underground coal mine, or you may call it a production supervisor in a metal, non-metal mine, or even a maintenance manager. 
they they do bear a lot of responsibility. But I think, you know, to a person, every frontline supervisor I've ever talked to in my career would tell you I'm responsible for the health and safety of my crew. And they yeah. take a lot of pride in that. Yeah, they do. Um, and so I think if if you really approach it in those terms that, you know, look, this is this is for the health and safety of your crew. Um, nobody wants there to be an incident or or worse on their shift, you know, on their watch. And if this is another tool in the toolkit to promote safety and health of their crew, um, I think you could get that's that that may be a way to really get the buy in from the supervisors. Yeah, I think you make a good point, Arthur, in that, you know, training is is twofold for a front for somebody in a like a frontline supervisor position. It is giving them the resources, educating them, one about mental health, um, educating them on how to spot and how to, to talk to somebody that, that they see on the, uh, you know, at the workforce struggling. Because um, it's not easy to talk about mental health. And you know, we're, we're, we're all in tune. And I'm sure these supervisors are in tune with their workers, right? They know when somebody's acting differently, right. maybe their performance is mm-hmm. declining, but we don't think about that in terms of, oh, are they struggling mentally? We right. think of it as, oh, we got to sit down and maybe discuss disciplinary action or put them on some kind of improvement plan, but really sitting down and saying, how are you to that employee? You know, mm-hmm. But Arthur, to your point, um, educating them on how that impacts productivity and safety, like not just in a vacuum of we need to do this because it's good, which is, is right. But also like, you're going to actually see improvement if you address these issues. Yeah. Now that's interesting. And and then of course, you know, the supervisors have their, you know, bring a lot of their own stresses to work. And it's also just inherently being, uh, it's being a supervisor is stressful in and of itself. So, you know, we, we, I think we need to make sure that our, um, our own supervisors are, are, are walking the walk, right? And that they're taking advantage of the resources we have uh, for their own well-being, and then also to, to lead by example. Yeah, well, I think that's so key. Now, I think the question that, you know, is a lot, on a lot of people's minds, Arthur, is, you know, obviously mine sites are regulated by the Mine Safety and Health Administration, right? Do they have any um, mental health resources that you're aware of? You know, it's funny, Chris, that you should ask that question because in preparing for this session, I went on the MSHA website and I put in a, under the search MSHA, I put in mental health and you know how many hits returned from that search? (laughs) Any guesses? Well, I'll just tell you the answer is Zero. Oh, wow. Zero. Oh. This, is, this is the Mind Safety and Health Administration that is responsible for the health and well-being of our minors. Yeah. And also, you know, promoting the well-being of the industry. If you go back and look at the, the uh, history of the 1977 Mine Act, that's very clear. They're supposed to be helping the industry. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I got to say, you know, it's, it's, it's a disappointment to me. You know, I know this isn't something you can cite. It's not, you know, mental health isn't something MSHA can come out and issue citations right. for. But, you know, I've seen guidance over the years on, you know, safety because it's the month of October. That was actually a guidance document MSHA put out once um, safety because it's 
you know, winter. They've issued guidance on that. You know, I think some, you know, some showing by MSHA that this is important and is a safety and health issue would go a long way. I really do. And, you know, we spend so much time dealing with MSHA due to the mandatory inspections, worrying about a quarter inch hose in a walkway or a pile of material on a belt line that doesn't have any hope of igniting. Right. You know, are those really the key issues? I don't know. We can debate that, but I don't think there's any debate that what Rayanne's telling us here today is a key safety and health issue. And I, you know, I just have to say, it, it's a shame that MSHA really isn't putting this out um, and providing some sort of resources to assist the industry. Um, I, I think that would go a long way if they would do it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, at least some acknowledgement that, you know, the mental health aspect is such a key component to any mine safety program. You know, I think of those operators that, you know, have developed and implement like a behavior-based safety program, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think those types of programs, you know, recognize that inherent component of the mental health aspect. Um, Yeah, it would be nice. You know, I don't know how you would quantify, and I'm not suggesting him should try to quantify any sort of, you know, mental health aspect in a program, but just to be aware, you know, that that mm-hmm. component significantly affects, you know, how safe someone works, you know. You know, we, we see MSHA leadership at, at, at the various conferences we go to, to yeah. even if they would speak to it at that, just acknowledge it, you know, right. that, you know, that, that, hey, this is an issue um, you know, it's not something we're going to cite, but it's an issue that we want to make sure that the regulated community is, is aware of. And yeah. I, I think that would go a long way. I really do. Yeah, I know for sure. Now, Rianne, in your mind, you know, when you're thinking about helping the mining industry and these operators at least create an awareness of mental health issues at their workplace, are there any steps that they could take right now? Yes, I, I think there are. I think there's always a, a step that you can take. And, and the biggest one is, you know, open communication about it in a way that, that might be um, helpful or an opportunity um, from what, uh, you know, we've talked about before is um, at that safety share mm. that occurs a lot yeah. of times. Um, and you're talking about safety issues, if I'm saying that right. You're, you're really, what you could do is you could add a mental health safety issue um, to that talk. And that doesn't take anything. And you could, you could do a couple of things. You could make it a mental health fact. So you could, you know, pass on some education um, factual wise, and then you could present a tip. You could also highlight the company resources at that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that would be something that um, any company could do um, immediately. And, um, you know, I've helped employers kind of set those up, you know, so that it's not, you don't want to struggle. You don't want your supervisors to have the struggle necessarily with trying to come up with what that would look like. Cause that's, right. that's a lot. And they're, and at this point in time, probably don't have a ton of education on it. Some might, some might not, mm-hmm. but you know, that's something that, that, that I've helped employers with is kind of start to establish that, that tip. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's such a great idea. You know, like I had mentioned earlier, having that safety manager give a a safety share regarding mental health issues. You know, I mean, I've been doing this for a number of years. That may be the first time 
I've heard of mental health being brought up in that scenario, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it just highlighted in my mind, right? Like in, you know, the compounding of, you know, the pandemic, challenging work conditions, it just seemed so appropriate. So it sounds like to me, Rand, you would be in a position to help, you know, companies come up with a toolbox, if you will, um, you know, addressing some of these mental health issues. So I think that's a really good resource that a lot of these companies should be aware of. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm helping put together really workplace mental health safety programs, which, which sounds like it can be a lot, but, you know, you start out with getting input from employees and you get your safety team committee involved and put some, a policy together, start with some education and training. Those are just kind of the highlights, but, you know, I can work with employers um, to put something together. It doesn't cost anything to put a policy together. It doesn't take much to, you know, get input from employees. So starting points. No, for sure. Well, Arthur, any final thoughts on mental health in the mining industry? Well, I, I, I think, um, I hope our, our listeners have found this useful. I, I certainly have, you know, I've attended uh, so many crew meetings in, in my career uh, at various client sites. I think this is just fodder for uh, topics to discuss at crew meetings, you know, like we've been talking about. I could even envision a safety stand down. You know, I know those happen from time to time um, where, you know, we, we pause work and really discuss a, a safety issue in some depth. I think this would be a great topic for that. So I think our clients are spend so much time and resources bringing safety awareness to the workforce, education yeah. to the workforce. I really encourage everyone to um, think how we can bring the mental health aspect to that, to those efforts they do. And if we do that, hopefully we've, um, we've helped someone, you know, because that, that, that's always nice. You know, that's always what, what we're all in this to do. You know, at the end of the day, we want everyone to go home safe and, and, and have a good day at work. So I, yeah. I appreciate the discussion. I think we've, we've uh, had, had, had a nice discussion here today and um, yeah, I look forward to, to, looking into this topic some more. Yeah, absolutely. I agree, Arthur. I think, um, yeah, maybe stay tuned for a part two. I don't know what that would look like, but I think this issue is important enough where we might need to do a follow-up episode. Um, And if nothing else, you know, at least this episode, hopefully it's created some awareness of this issue being out there. So, Mm -hmm. and thank you so much for, for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. And to talk about this, right, again, you know, if we can just create a little bit of awareness and maybe help, you know, be at least a couple people, I think we've done our job. Here. So thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for having me. I appreciate, always appreciate the opportunity to talk about this issue. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, it's so <laughs> underrated and seems to fly under the radar. Um, so it's good to be a, a little bit aware of that. So, well, thank you, everybody. And that will wrap up today's episode. Take care. Be safe. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation.